Well, let's talk about what we really came here to talk about, and that is fear. We began last week a new series on, the, on fears that paralyze our lives. Last week, we talked about the fear of rejection. If you missed that sermon, you can go to our website at uh, fogkc.com, uh, F-O-G, Fellowship of Grace, kc.com, and uh, uh, listen to that uh, sermon there. Today, we're going to talk about the fear of failure. Next week, we'll talk about the fear of intimacy, and then we'll finish with the fear of losing control. But let's talk today about this fear of failure that all of us experience at some time, I'm sure. Have you ever heard these words? You'll always fail. That never works. You just don't have what it takes. You'll fail again. You're going to flunk out. That's a stupid idea. You can't do that. Just give up. That's impossible. Why do you keep trying these things? You're not able. You ever hear some of those things? At some level, we've all felt failure, and we've probably heard these things, and sometimes we hear these things from, unfortunately, the people that we love the most. We've experienced failure, and we don't like it because it makes us feel bad, right? Well, I want us to start today with this key verse, and I'm going to keep bringing it up every week so that hopefully by the end of this four-week series, you'll have this memorized. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1-7, Scripture says this very clearly. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, I've tried uh, in the last couple of weeks to find another passage that has one negative with three positives, and I just can't find it. This is a very unique verse. It says, listen, when God gives you his spirit, it doesn't come out like fear. And we talked last week about just the normal fears of life. If you've got a, a lion loose in your neighborhood and you're afraid to go outside, that's just, that's just smart, folks. That's not fear, really. Okay? That's just a, that's a normal, healthy fear of danger that God's put into us. But when we're afraid to do something that God has called us to do or wants us to do because we're afraid we're going to fail, folks, that's, that's a paralyzing thing. I believe God's brought some of you here today for this very moment, and I think, frankly, for this very sermon, not because I'm preaching it, but because of the topic. Some of you are living in doubt about Jesus I want to encourage you today to trust Jesus as your Savior and have your life radically transformed. Some of you are here living in direct disobedience to God. I want to encourage you to decide to live a life of radical obedience today. Some of you are living in fear of serving a body of Christ, particularly this one. I want you to make a decision today to serve with a heart of passion. And some of you are living in fear of answering some call from God on your life. I want you today to decide to ignore your fear and do what it is he wants you to do. We're going to look at four principles today, and we're going to start with this one. Fear of failure will cause us to be worthless. Now that sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? And that's not very encouraging. But I want to make sure you hear the words carefully. It does not say failure will cause you to be worthless. It doesn't say that at all. It says the fear of failure will cause you to be worthless. Now, the Bible doesn't teach that, does it? 
failure won't really cause us to be worthless, will it? Well, let's look at this parable that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. Now, we use this uh, passage a great deal to talk about how God has given you things and you need to invest them back in his ministry. You need to invest them back into the kingdom of God. But I want us to focus today on the third servant and look what it talks about his motives and what Jesus says to him at the end, or what the, the master says to him at the end. It's Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Let's see what it says. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, now listen carefully, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you, didn't, where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has has, will will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's a pretty simple story. The master comes, he gives the first guy five talents, the next guy two talents, the next guy one talents. And it says he gave them each according to their ability. So the one who had five was able to do more with five. The five and the two, they invested what they had and basically doubled. We don't know how long he was gone. The master was gone. We said he was gone for a while. They doubled what the master had given them. But the one who had been given one talent does nothing. He buries it in the ground. And Jesus says, as the master, he says, look, why didn't you even put it in the bank? I mean, there you would have at least gotten a little bit of interest off of it. Okay, maybe you wouldn't have doubled it, but you at least get a little something. And what did the, what did the servant say? I was afraid. I was paralyzed with fear. See, he didn't try and fail. 
He didn't try to do something with his talent and just not do as well. He did nothing because his fear paralyzed him. Folks, when God calls us to do things, which, by the way, he's called all of us to do things, and we don't do it because we're afraid that we're going to fail or we're going to somehow let him down or we're going to somehow not be perfect at it, and that paralyzes us from doing something, that's what this is talking about. The scripture says, you are worthless. Those are my, those are my words. Jesus says, you're, you're slothful, you're lazy. And he said, you're worthless. You're not worth nothing to me. That's what he's saying. Now, I want to make sure that I communicate this clearly, folks. We're not talking about people who who invest in things and try things and, and attempt things for God and they don't work out all the time. We'll talk about that in a minute. We're talking about who's somebody who says, because I'm afraid it's not going to work out the way I want or I'm, not gonna fra- I'm afraid it's not going to work out how God wants, I'm not even going to try. I'm afraid to share the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ with my friends because I'm afraid I won't do it right. I'm afraid I won't do it perfect. I'm afraid that they, they won't be able to hear from me the truth. So I'll just not do it at all. Now, unfortunately, in this parable, we don't have a servant who tries and fails. I think I'd like to see that. But I think God's trying to help us understand here, folks. When when we just get so paralyzed by our fear that we're going to fail, that we don't even try, God says, everything I've put in you, Everything that I've given you as, as a, a, an asset to be used for the kingdom of God really goes for nothing. It's worthless because it's never used. It's never even tried. Folks, our fear of failure will cause us to be worthless to the kingdom of God. It's never, never, never failure but the fear of failure which causes us not to participate, not to try. That's what it is that causes someone to be worthless. That's pretty depressing. So let's get a little more encouraging. Number two, we will fail. Listen, just embrace the reality, folks. Just embrace the reality. Welcome to the human experience. We are all going to fail at times. Unless you're Jesus Christ or unless you try nothing at all for the rest of your life, you are going to fail. That's just how life works. In fact, look what the scripture says in James 3, 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. I was talking about the tongue here, and if you're able to control your tongue and, and what you say, you can control every part of your life. But I want you to see the first part of that verse. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Folks, that's just a reality. We do that. But it's important that you allow yourself to feel the disappointment when you fail without feeling disapproval. There's a difference. Listen, when I attempt something, especially for God and for his kingdom, and it doesn't work out the way that I want it to, I don't see it, uh, it's not executed well, or the fruit of it is not what I wanted it to be, which, because I'm such a dreamer, it never is. I'm kind of getting used to it. Uh, But, uh, you know, the thing is, it's one thing to say, okay, I have disappointment over that. 
But here's what happens. We feel the disappointment of it, and Satan goes like this. Of course you're a failure, because you stink. You're a failure. It's not just this thing that you did. You yourself are just a failure. And we listen to that stuff, and that keeps us from ever trying again because we don't like feeling that way. Write this part down. Write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. Failure is an event, never a person. Failure is an event, never a person. Now listen, we're going to look at some people here in just a moment who had some real failure moments, some real failure events in their life, but they weren't failures as a human being. But we let this thinking paralyze us. I mean, think about, think about the Apostle Peter. What's he best known for? Succeeding big and failing big, right? I mean, he was cocky, cocky and arrogant at times. And, and when Jesus was telling his disciples that they would all leave him in his hour of desperation, do you remember what Peter, Peter said? Not me, Jesus. I'm your guy. I'll stick with you. Oh, these other bums, they might turn their back on you, but not me. I'm with you. You and me, we're like this to the end, Jesus. I'm there for you. You can count on me. That's a paraphrase, by the way. But Peter went on to deny that he even knew Jesus three times. But God never stopped loving him through his failure, even in the midst of his enormous failure as a follower of Jesus, God still loved him. His, his actions were a failure, but he himself was not a failure. In fact, if you really want to look at the big picture, it was all kind of a God setup, wasn't it? To accomplish what he wanted to do in Peter in the future. First God did something in Peter, and then he did something through Peter. That's how it works. Now, all of us probably have stories like this, but I, you know, uh, 15 years ago or so, I got, uh, I felt like God was calling me back out of the corporate world and back into vocational ministry. And uh, I got a job at a mega church uh, here in Kansas City as one of the staff pastors. I thought, wow, this is cool. I'll retire from this church. This is like my dream job. This is awesome. Uh, This is going to be so great. And uh, within a few months, I realized, man, I'm just not a fit here. I, I view things a little differently, and they're all good people. They're going to heaven. It's all good. Uh, you know, but, I, but I wasn't a fit there. And I started uh, uh, feeling like I wasn't a fit, and I think that showed, and I think they started feeling like I was a fit. And after about a year on staff there, they, uh, how did they say it, uh, invited me to seek new opportunities. You know how that goes. Now, I share that with you folks because if, if in that moment, in that moment, I felt like a failure. I blew this incredible opportunity at this mega church where I could have this enormous ministry and, and, and influence on people the rest of my life. But if I hadn't gone through that, you wouldn't be sitting here now. At least not with me as the pastor. I don't know how God would have worked all that. But you see, in, 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 in going through those situations that seem like failure sometimes, God is setting us up for something to come. He's setting us up for something to come. 
I will tell you that I have learned the greatest lessons in life, not from my successes, but from my failures. And they have allowed me to have greater success in life. So that's not very encouraging. We will all fail, or we all do fail. But there is some encouragement, and it comes here. We can overcome failure. This is where it gets exciting. Proverbs chapter 24, 16, look what it says. For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. Now, it's very clear in this passage. For those of you who desire to be righteous, who desire to follow Jesus, and you fail or fall, what do you do? After the first time, you get up and try again. Then you fall again. What do you do? What's the third plan? You get, and try, get up and try again. Then you, what's that song? I get knocked down. And I, get, I don't want to do that. Uh, uh, for those of you over 50, I'll do the weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Maybe that'll fit you more. I don't know. But, but here's the point, folks. Uh, uh, we cannot, as Christians, we cannot, when we uh, fail in a moment of time, we cannot give up and listen to this voice of failure and, and become paralyzed by our fear to try again. Peter came, back, Peter came back from denying Jesus to be one of the key leaders in the early church. Paul, the Apostle Paul, came back from being, as he put it, the chief sinner. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Listen, history is filled with people who have overcome their failures and not been paralyzed by their fear to try again. Listen, they've been some of the most successful people in life have had ginormous failures. Look at a few of them. Bill Gates. Before launching Microsoft, Bill Gates was a Harvard University dropout. Did you know that? He was co-owner of a failed business called Drafodata, which none of you have heard of because it went bankrupt. Driven by his passion for computer programming, Gates built what would become the world's largest software company. Microsoft went public in 1986, and by the next year, it's the world's youngest self-made billionaire. An investor in the initial public offering would have seen a return rate of 30,207%. Don't you wish you would have had $10 worth of that? Thomas Edison. As a young boy, Thomas Edison's teachers told him he was, quote, too stupid to learn anything. He didn't have much more success in the workplace as he was fired from his first two jobs for not being productive. Even as an inventor, reports claim that Edison made 10,000 unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb. And happily for those of us who are night owls, he, 10,001, worked, and we have light bulbs now. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan once said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games, and 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Today, Jordan is considered one of the greatest basketball players of all time, with career stats including 6,672 rebounds, 5,633 assists, and 32,292 total points. The Beatles. When the Beatles first auditioned for a recording company in 1962, Decca Records rejected them 
the band members recall being told, we don't like your sound and guitar music is on the way out. The Beatles signed to EMI and still are one of the best-selling music groups of all time. Their music is still downloaded and listened to globally. Babe Ruth. In 1923, Babe Ruth set the record for the most home runs in a season while also striking out more than any other player in Major League Baseball. Over his career, he struck out 1,330 times, but he rose above his failures to hit 714 home runs. And my favorite of all, Walt Disney. At age 22, Walt Disney was fired from a Missouri newspaper for, quote, not being creative enough. One of his early ventures called Laugh-O-Gram Studios went bankrupt. The creator of Mickey and Minnie Mouse went on to be nominated for 59 Academy Awards, winning 32, all for his unparalleled animations. He still holds the record for the most Oscars won by an individual. Now, folks, I don't even know if all these people are Christians. I don't know if the, the Holy Spirit of God lives in them. And yet they kept getting up when they fell down. How much more should those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, who are trusting him for our future, how much more should we be willing to get up when we get knocked down and follow him with greater passion? I mean, folks, failure is just going to be a part of life. We cannot let it paralyze us. I want you to see one last thing before you go today. In order to please God, we must take faith risks. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Now, folks, this passage is talking specifically about salvation. What it's saying is without faith, you cannot please God. You cannot have a right relationship with God. Uh, without putting your faith and trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, you cannot have a relationship with God, and you cannot know uh, what He wants you to do because His Spirit is not in you. But what it is also saying, folks, is day by day, just day by day in life, Without faith, you can't please God. If you don't exercise faith, if all you do that you can do without God's help, you're not going to really please Him because you're not going to accomplish much. Your chance at a big win in life is directly proportionate to the size of risk you're willing to take. Think about that. If, if risk and reward in life is on a scale of, of 1 to 10 and you constantly take risks at 1, what is the most uh, uh, benefit you're ever going to get? One. Hey, look, I did it. One. You've got to be willing to take some big risks, a five, an eight, a ten. Things that you can't possibly do without God's help for you to ever achieve a five or an eight or a ten. Now listen, I'm not talking about foolish gambling in life. I'm not talking about uh, being goofy and saying, oh, I'm going to take this $10 and go to the boats and make it a million for Jesus. Okay, I'm not talking about goofiness like that. I'm talking about gutsy responses to the prompting of God. Folks, 
without stepping out of your comfort zone and attempting something you cannot achieve on your own without God's help, you will never please him. You'll never please him. You just can't play it safe your whole life and please God, folks. He just hasn't set up life to work that way. I know that one of our greatest fears is failure. But you know what one of the greatest pains in life is? Regret. Because of my uh, uh, calling and my position, I've had the opportunity to talk with people who are on their deathbeds. And many of them share regrets about life. Things they knew God wanted them to do, but they were too fearful to ever try. Ministries they knew he wanted them to invest in, but they never did. Generosity that they knew God was leading them to live by, and they just never did it. And they lay on their deathbeds full of regret with no more chances, no more chances to please God by not playing it safe. What, what faith risk is God asking you to take today? I know that some of you are sitting here going, oh, yeah, I know, God, I hear. Yeah, I hear, I hear you. I know you've been telling me to do that. I know you've been telling me to be that. I know you've been telling me to go there. I know you've been telling me to talk to them. I know you've been doing that, God. I've just been too afraid because I don't want to mess it up. Well, the guy with one talent didn't want to mess it up, and he didn't mess it up. He didn't mess it up at all. He didn't do anything because he was paralyzed by his fear. Folks, Stop being paralyzed by your fear of failure and do what God wants you to do. Whatever God is asking you to do, act in faith today and don't cower in fear anymore. Don't cower in fear anymore. Do you remember when we were going through the book of Acts in chapter 5, the, the apostles were preaching and the Pharisees were coming against them as usual? And one of the Pharisees spoke up, and this is what he said. He said, so in the present case about what's going on, guys, let me tell you this. This is in Acts chapter 5. It says, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it'll fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. Now here's what I want you to see from that, folks. Listen, when we are following what God says in his word or what he is prompting in our hearts that is in uh, uh, accordance with his word and people come against us and people tell us, uh, hey, you can't do that. Oh, you're not skilled at that. You, can't, you don't have a degree in this. You don't, you don't have this training. You don't have this personality. You, don't, you just don't have it. And, and they begin to well up this fear of failure in our hearts. And this fear begins to overtake us. Folks, here's the reality. If we're just following our own ideas, they're going to fail anyway, whether we try them or not. But if we're following God, nobody can stop us. Nothing, 
Nobody can stop us. We, nobody can stop God from doing what he wants to do. It says you might even be found opposing God. Nobody wants to do that. So they let these men preach. I hope today that if you have come here with any sense of a fear of failure in your life over any situation or anything, first of all, you realize you are not a failure as a person. Oh, we, we may have failed in some things. We may have failed at some attempts. I hope you walk away saying to yourself and being committed that I am going to follow God and his promptings and what he is asking me to do no matter what, and I am not going to be afraid of failure anymore. I am not going to let that paralyze me from achieving what God has put in me. I'm just going to figure out a way to push through that with God's help and God's spirit. Listen, folks, God's spirit is in you. If you have given your life to Jesus, God's spirit is in you, and he does not promote the spirit of fear in you that is not coming from him. His is a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. So ask God to well up in you, help you to overcome the fear of failure so you can fulfill his calling and his potential in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your spirit that teach us and guide us. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you'll forgive us where we have let the fear of failure um, just paralyze us and keep us from accomplishing what you want to accomplish in and through us. God, help us today to step out of that fear, to step into trusting you, into faith, into saying, God, we, we don't know how it's going to happen or, or, or how you're going to do it, but we trust you, and we trust you to do it through us. God, help us to live in that place. Help us to live that way so that when we lie on our deathbeds, we won't lie there with regrets, but we will lie there looking back on a life lived for you, accomplishing things that we could never do on our own, but only through your help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.